the seed for the message today is uh, kind of rooted in rooted in weakness and in pain in a uh, an overwhelming frustration with just the amount of brokenness that I feel like I've I've come in touch in contact with I mean I look in I'm constantly surprised and dejected at times at the amount of wrong thinking that I and wrong motivation that I find in my own heart the amount of pride and selfishness that I see that still rears its ugly head going out to the the areas that I see where each and every single one of us is just broken in some way like some amount of pain and events that have happened to us has shaped who we are the the individual lies that the devil has been able to sow into our lives from a fallen nature as we're born as we're little children and what that manifests in into adulthood all the way out to the amount of just wretched sin that we just see just just a bit of in the news to like the beautiful free country that God created just to see it falling apart and like run by insanity and to fears about what might happen next just kind of an overwhelming sense of I would say hopelessness except that I wouldn't say that I succumbed to it but just the temptation to look around to look within to see what's around you just the amount of pain and brokenness and wickedness that pervades this fallen world has kind of like had me hungering and just like pushing like to draw closer to the Lord and to to find him in the word like and what he says about himself and ultimately today what I want to talk about is just the hope of the transforming power of the gospel message just the pure gospel on which we are saved and founded and what a gift that is and what a thing to be clung to that because we don't see it all at once or even close to that you know we 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 know what we have to cling to by faith we know what the word says we know that we're promised forgiveness and mercies and healing and peace and and pleasures forevermore but how much of that do we honestly see on a day-to-day basis not near enough to make me feel good <laughs> let's just say that I'm not saying it doesn't exist at all, but the whole thing just is an unfolding process that we don't really get to taste but a shadow, and we don't really get to, I feel like it's like we get to smell a whiff of food, David, cooking, good food, and and it's it's not till you die that you get to taste the food, um, is kind of the way it seems to me, and we're physical, we're, we're created physical beings and so we're wired to see with our physical eyes and hear and feel with our pain sensors so we interact with the world 
by default 99% on a physical level and we're assaulted with the pain and the brokenness and the fallenness of the world. So to get the shadow of what we have to hope and to cling to, it takes a considerable amount of effort to pay attention to, to constantly, like Michael likes to say, preach the word to ourselves until like we believe it, until we... Because we have to, because we know what it says, but how many times do you, you start your day out and you know what it says and you're comforted in the Lord's presence and then like Sandy says all the time, like I get to work and one thing happens and like it's all wrecked, like it's gone, like today is just a terrible day now. And so the point was, it's the process of, like it says in Romans chapter 12, I believe that don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's probably a few different aspects of the re renewing of your mind, but what I'm focusing on and honing in on today is letting it be washed with the water of the word, with the hope of the gospel, and letting that shape how we view everything. You know, it's like it says, uh, it might be in Corinthians, I forgot, where we... Uh, don't shoot appraise you're appraised by no one and you don't appraise anything according to the flesh but by the spirit like that is how we're to view all of this that we come in in context with and in contact with and so for me the the beginning of this was the amount of pain and brokenness that we see and the, the consternation over it and that we have to view that in context with the transforming power of the gospel because though we don't see it all unfold anytime soon, if you know, you make a positive change today, it might be five years, 10 years, 15 years before you start seeing the fruit of that kind of unfold. I want to start in Romans chapter one. I've really kind of been stuck in the epistles of Paul for a few months now and I'm just I see over and over again how diligent he is to hone in on the importance of the gospel of the cross and of the paying attention to and the preaching of God's word which ultimately is summed up in the gospel Romans chapter 1 verse 15 Paul says so for my part I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome and I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I think that's interesting because Paul talks about in, I think it's 1 Corinthians 1, where maybe 1 and 2, where the gospel is foolishness to those that are in the world, to those who are perishing. Like, it's not of human wisdom. No one's ever heard anything like it. There's never, never been another religion to espouse the same things as the gospel. And so... Paul, an erudite man that probably grew up and learned to appreciate people listening to wisdom and the way he could wax and argue and that sort of thing, that it was a thing that many people are easily ashamed of. Like, no one is typically comfortable with just like, hey, yeah, this is the gospel. This is what, what Jesus says about you and what God's done for me. Like, everybody has some sort of trepidation to share that and like, Paul in this time, you know, I mean, the gospel's getting you killed, but he's not ashamed to proclaim the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Like Paul looked at the gospel and he saw like, this is the power of God. Like this is, 
Everything that the Word says, all of the wisdom, the Proverbs, whatever good thing that it says, like none of it means anything without being able to be saved in the cross and Jesus being willing to take our sin and nail it to the cross. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. You know, we know that it says that it's Jesus' righteousness that is transferred to us. And everyone is keenly aware that they cannot do enough good things or undo enough wrong in any way to earn a measure of righteousness. So it's... It's really good news to hear that we can be righteous because Jesus was righteous and that we don't have to earn that. And again, we don't see it. How often do we feel righteous? And when we do feel righteous, we're probably self-righteous and full of pride and we're wrong. So how often do we feel that we are righteous, that we, we, we are Jesus the way the Father sees him in us and not what we too often see and it's the reason that it's revealed from faith to faith that we have to live by faith in the good news of the gospel first corinthians chapter 15. chapter 15 verse 1 and now i make known to you brethren the gospel which i preach to you which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Paul told Corinthians at the beginning of the book that I purposed to know nothing when I came to you but Christ and him crucified. Like, Paul could have talked about any number of mysteries and glories. Like, I mean, he was taken up to the third heaven, and who knows what he's seen and what he's heard and the wisdom in which he could speak, but he purposed to know nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. And he names it first importance and said that it's what he received. And so when I read that this morning, I was thinking that Paul talks about how Jesus himself directly delivered to him the message that he wanted to preach. And so Jesus himself directly gives to Paul what Paul received is this gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas then to the twelve and that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time most of whom remain until now but some have fallen asleep. The reason that Paul's telling them that they knew they could count on the work of the cross and the gospel is that Jesus didn't stay in the grave, but he was raised. And there were more than 500 people that he appeared to, most of whom were still alive when he writes this. So these people could go to them and verify that they did in fact see him raised. And then all of those people believe that message and then they're willing to suffer and die believing what it said. So we have on good account and then on historical evidence that Jesus rose from the grave and so we can act in faith, living in faith in everything that he said. Romans chapter 10. 
chapter 10 and verse 8, what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So you have to believe that God raised him from the dead. Without that belief, like Paul says, I mean, we're to be pitied above all men. If he wasn't raised, then what are we living for? Because at the end, there's no hope that we're raised if he wasn't raised. But the word says that he was raised because of our justification. So like the hope that we have to cling to that despite the evidence that we see that's broken and that we're just so messed up that it seems we can never do anything to overcome the the depravity that we see all around us, we don't have to because we've already been justified when he was raised, like that was done. And now we just cling to the word of faith and abiding and standing in it and abiding in Jesus because he says that in John chapter 15 that uh, my word has come to you, it's already made you clean. Like you just, you stay in that. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. The scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? But how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. They did not all heed the good news, Isaiah says. Lord, who has believed our report? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So, Jesus accomplished in his power the work on his part to, to bury sin in the flesh. Like he took the death, he took the punishment and transferred his righteousness that we received and he was raised. But we have to hear that word to believe it. We have to hear that word to build the faith. We have to pay attention to it continually because I realized this week that I was paying attention to terrible things, to things that are broken, that I can't fix, to things that are painful that I can't make less painful but we have to recognize that because it happens over and over and over again it blows my mind how easily and how quickly and often it happens but we have to recognize it and turn our attention to the word of faith like pay attention to what he says because yeah we don't feel most of the time in a super profound way that the change having taken place we we like Paul talks about in Romans 7 and 8, you know, he's dragging around the body of death, and we see that all of the time. So we have to turn our attention to hearing the word of Christ, hearing the gospel, where our faith has to rest. You know, it says that in Ephesians 5, 26, says that Jesus, you know, I'm just going to read it, I'll misquote it.
that Christ gave himself up for the church, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with his word. And go ahead and turn to John chapter 15. John 15, verse 3, Jesus said, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And then verse 11, he says, These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. That ministered to me when I read that this week because there's a whole lot of stuff that has you not feeling very joyful. But Jesus specifically said, look, I've made you clean because of the word which I spoke to you. And if you remain in me, then you don't have to worry. It's going to have its effect. You, it's, it's as good as done. And I've spoken this to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. And we need that. We need his joy in us and to have that joy made full in the things that he said. And I cling to, you don't have to turn there, it's just one verse, but Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11 says, My word will be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So the Lord that created all that is says that his word goes forth, these words that Jesus spoke that have made us clean, and they absolutely will accomplish what he intended them to. They will accomplish the good things that he says. Whether or not I can see that happening right before my eyes, I know that he was raised. And so I know that, you know, it says that we were sealed in him by the Holy Spirit as a pledge given for our inheritance, we know that he was raised and that he will return to collect what is his. And so everything that happens between now and then and his sovereignty, so be it. You know, if I can cling to the fact that he does not fail, he does not change, it is what his word says. Galatians chapter 2. Chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. So it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life, and you know, that's evident with the Holy Spirit. If we have the Holy Spirit, we see, we don't see the fullness of, of everything fixed right now, but we can, we can see that I'm not as messed up today in s some ways marginally than I was a year ago, than I was 10 years ago. We can see like Jesus said in John 15, bearing fruit in the branch attached to him as the vine. Like we can see that evident that it's his life he lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. You see, so we've still got the life in the flesh with the body of death that causes a whole lot of issues. But we can't pay attention to that. We have to pay attention to the faith. We have... We live this life in the flesh by faith in the Son of God that no matter 
what's happening. I believe the things that he says about me because he loved me and he gave himself up for me. And we'll close, or I will close and open it up if anyone has anything in Ephesians by way of kind of summary of the power and the hope of the, the gospel in chapter 1 through the beginning of chapter 2. Chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, so that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. See, when we receive the gospel, there's a hope in that calling that we can hope in and I think it's interesting that Paul specifically prays for these people that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened to that, that they would be aware of it so that it would minister to them. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. Chapter 2, verse 1. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And that's past tense. Like it says, you, you were dead in your trespasses, but you're not now. You, were formerly walk, you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Yeah, I think we have to pause and always remember that, that it's past tense that we, we were in this death and this destruction and we, we, we did just give over to the lust of the flesh and just depravity of mind. Like that is the way we were. And... Yes, sometimes we still see some of those things present in the flesh now, but but Jesus, once for all, he's already dealt with it, says he returns without reference to the sin, and that it's because of his rich mercy and his great love with which he loved us that we can be free from that now. And so as, as we react with one another and with the world around us, it's never never pride because it's because of his grace toward us that we even have the hope of the gospel. It's his grace towards us, his calling us that gives us any victory over over anything. It's nothing that we've done. 
we were dead in our transgressions. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and he raised us up with him. I mean, that's why we cling to the resurrection is because we were crucified with Christ, but we're also raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. See, that's the hope of our calling is that in the ages to come, we will, we will get to see the surpassing riches of his grace. Like we see some of them now, we taste some of them now, but who even knows what it means that he has pleasures forever in his right hand stored up? Like we get to look forward to that. By grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And that's all that uh, I really wanted to look at today. sins 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. He forgave us all our sins. Through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. So through the sacrifice of Jesus, you have been reconciled to God. So we have forgiveness. We have reconciliation. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now been we have now received reconciliation. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, you also have been cleansed. Unbelievable. The blood of Jesus' his Son purifies us from all of our sin. How much more will the blood of Christ cleanse our conscience? To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And also through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This is the one that gets tricky. You have been delivered from the tyranny of that part of you in bondage to sin. And you think, I did that again. I did that again. And you have that spirit there saying, your heart is bad. You did bad again. Your heart is bad. So you just can't believe why. New good heart. Man, new good heart. Unbelievable. That's the thing we forget day to day. Our old self has been crucified with him, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. And we all know this, which is so easy to forget. Well, and not just forget, but to actually believe it in the first place. I know. Like, you know, it just, because like you said, the lie is always present. Yeah. It's always there. So how much repetition does it take to sink that in where it's like, no, 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 no. He said this. So I'm going to believe on his life, believe the fact that he was resurrected, that all that he accomplished is true. Yeah. Like, I don't feel it. You don't have to feel it. You know? Like, it's true. Like, he said it, it's true. So you have to repeat, 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 repeat. Yes. I don't think it's ridiculous that we forget, because I don't even know if it's a matter of forgetting as much as it is. Quit paying attention to it. You know? Yeah. Just, like, lose sight yeah. and feel the lie more than you feel what it says. Yeah. Sorry, you raise your hand. Sorry. Well, and then here's... The best news is that through the resurrection of Jesus and the coming of the Spirit of God, you know, have the life of Jesus Christ living in you. Like, that is the hope of Christianity, is that Christ in us, in every moment. You know, God has been showing me for the past couple weeks now, like, I told him last night, and it's been very helpful for me. It's, God has given us the future as a gift. God has given us the past as a gift. We don't live in that space. We operate right here. You can love him in this moment. And it's very hard sometimes, but that's something I've been practicing. Something goes wrong, something major, something minor. I can love you in this, God. Not for it. I don't love you for it, but in it. Oh, God. And you can just... That's just abiding in him. You know, learning to trust him. Um, just another little couple things here. So we have the life of God moving in us. Um, and then I'll just finish with this little statement here. There's simply no greater news in heaven and on earth. There's also no other way towards the restoration of your humanity and the incarnation of the genuine goodness within you. Um, you're forgiven. Your sin nature and traitor within you is con that continually sabotages your best intentions has died with Jesus. You have the life of Jesus living in you. Now I know, I know, it sure doesn't feel that way most days, but you have to ground your life and something more reliable than your experience. That's huge. You begin with truth, and then it will play out in your life. God set about the restoration of humanity through Jesus. It's like just operating in that space of just the repetition, you know? And, and man, I just find that very helpful to look at that. I can look at that daily and just go, okay, having a hard day. 
But, you know, the thing that God has done for me recently, I keep bouncing back. It's glorious. Hard day, hard night. I bounce back. And, you know, he's made me such a wacky person. I have so much fun. I can have fun alone. You know, I can have so much fun with Shane. Like, oh, he's just made me so silly. I have people tell me, you don't seem your age at all. You're like a kid, and I love it. It's like, this is so awesome. I used to think of it as, I'm just childish, and I can be, but it's wonderful. Childlike. I was going to say, there's a world of difference between childlike and childish. Yeah. Childlike is good. I wanted to ask you a question about something you said, because yeah. um, it comes up a lot, and I think it's good to have it clear. So if you see yourself sinning, and... It is a lie that you have a sinful heart. How is it a lie? You see yourself sinning, you sin, but your heart isn't evil. And for me anyway, and I know you guys have probably looked at this a lot, Romans clears it up. When you go through seven, what Paul is saying is not, you will never sin. In fact, as high and lofty as Paul is, he's one of my big, big heroes. I'm so grateful that God gave us his heart and mind and the word. But he's saying that he... After all of those years being personally taught by Jesus, being beaten half to death over and over again, just a walking monument to being faithful, loving people that betrayed him and abandoned him and shedding tears for them sending letters. So I by no means compare to Paul, but he's saying, look, there's stuff I wish I did every day that I failed to do. And there's stuff that I don't want to do every day and I still do it. So he thinks about it and he concludes It's not me. If it bothers you, if you disagree with it, right? You're not in agreement with that. Yet, happened. There's some, for lack of a better way to put it, there's something like sin inertia in this body of death that we carry with us. Something that Blake said was the seed for this message, is his feeling, some of that. But the truth is based on all of that scripture, It's not us. We ceased to be that the day that we died. When we went under that water, we disagreed with that sinful heart. And then whose heart do we have? It's Jesus' heart. There's no more beautiful heart. There isn't one. There's nobody more loving, more compassionate, more faithful, more true. Nobody more courageous to step up and do what needs to be done. That is our heart. It belongs to us. He delivered it to us. So... I don't know if it helps you, but every time it comes up, it's helpful for me to remember, yeah, you could cite evidence. You could cite the thing that made me bitter yesterday or the thing that made me angry or where I was lazy, perhaps, or just maybe my heart wasn't 100% in a prayer or my time with the Lord. Like every day we all have a laundry list. So how can you see that every day without being discouraged by it? Well, I think... That's the answer. You realize, that's not me. You know who I am? I'm the guy who hates that. I'm the guy who every day is going to fix my eyes back on Jesus. I'm the guy that when faced with these two truths, I choose to do the Romans 8 side of things. There's no more condemnation, you know, for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So I know that's long-winded. But I don't know for you if that helps you, but it helps me because both things can be there. You can cite all the evidence that you want and say, well, here's where you fell short. I will say, you know what? I agree with you up to the point where you called it me because yeah, yeah. that's not the side I'm fighting on. Yeah. 
very helpful to know you have a good heart. Very helpful. You can to know who that. you are. Yeah. You know what? Just yeah. that we're changed all together, like in Second Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen. Like everything is new. Right. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have passed away. Amen. <laughs> sort of in that same vein um, a, a book I've been reading this week there was a quote that kind of blew my mind and I just sat on it for a while for a long time um, that quote, God is restoring his creation what you see in Jesus is what he is after in you and that really just I just sat there for a long time with that because we are made in his image. Amen. He made us after him to look like him, to act like him, to be like him. You know, it's like when Blake and Sarah look at Lily, they can see themselves in her. And, you know, God is not a dummy. Like, trainers, y'all know, like, you don't ask a client to do something that you know that they cannot do. You ask them to do what they can do, and it might be difficult. But they think they can't do. And they think they can't do it. It's never the goal for them That's to That's the faith part, to make never. the analogy. You know? It is faith. It's always the goal know? to help them to see that they can do hard things that they didn't think they could do. And so him restoring his creation and making us after himself, he sees Jesus when he looks at us. And that's what he's after in us, and that just totally blew my mind because he's not after something he can't get. God yeah. would never do that. And he's not deluded. You know, it's not some game of cat and mouse. He's after what he can attain. And he, he can have what he wants. He can have his heart's desire. And in us, and that is just crazy. You know what I hear at the bottom of these things for what it's worth? And again, as always, I rely on you all to let me know if I'm talking too much. Um, Has anyone ever done that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you even know me? <laughs> you could just have a timer that you start when you start talking. Oh, we used yeah. to do that in spokesman Can we get an air horn? <laughs> 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 I'm the old double tap printer. <laughs> Or maybe with some leads, and you guys could just produce. You know. Whoa! All right. Now you're just gonna take that as the Holy Spirit. I'll take that as inspiration. We're just gonna put a tens unit on you. That's right. All right. So what I hear under that is something that we all apparently suffer with, which is, uh, you're unworthy, you're unlovely, you're unlovable, you're not valuable. Right? And you can say, I don't believe that. And or you're failing. Or you're failing, or you are a failure. Take it the further step, which is to your identity. Uh, and we all have taken those lies without our awareness or consent from Adam. And even as we learn on some intellectual, academic, conscious level, these things are not true. Somebody has said the greatest distance in the world is 18 inches, the distance between your head and your heart. And I think that's true. Like there's a world of difference between giving intellectual assent to versus learning to internalize and believe and act out and revel in like you talked about. Well, and what it means to abide in Christ, like he talks about 
throughout John, especially in John 15. Right. I would appreciate a Bible study on the topic, somebody smarter than oh me. My goodness. Because, like, it seems kind of impossible to wrap your mind around. Like, what exactly does that mean? Don't stop. Which part? <laughs> abide. Oh, right. I think he nails it, doesn't he? If I abide in you, I say, if, if you abide in me, and my word abides in you. I want to learn about it, but not right now. <laughs> it literally would be impossible. Like, it's probably like that. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there for future reference. Maybe there's a difference between real and realized or between actual and actualized. So all of it's there in the Word, all of it, all of those truths, and the reality of them. It's a living Word, the Word says of itself. It's not a dead text. It's not like any other book. It's alive. And Jesus is in there. That's what he said in John 15, if you abide in me and my Word abides in you. And to pick up on the theme of uh, Blake's message today, I think it is about appropriating it day after day and thought after thought and errand after errand and job after job. I think it's just that you become what you constantly think and do, what you reinforce. And it's your choice. Like you can think of your heart like it's a, like it's a field and you can have flowers or you can have weeds and what you're going to have is what you water right? What you nurture. So it, it hits me again as I think about this that uh, we receive by faith all of the gifts that the Lord has given us in Ephesians. It makes it plain. We've got them all. What are we missing? Nothing. What did God withhold? Not a thing. Nothing. But it's like having all of the gold in a mine. There is work to do. Your work doesn't make you worthy. It's just a matter of spending time with the Lord so you become like Him and you love Him more deeply. And He expresses Himself with greater ease through you because you're in sync. Do it. Don't do it, Randy. Do you want to close us in prayer? Oh.
Thank you so much for your warm words. Thank you for being with us. We have to be blessed.